Close the door. We're already rolling. So epic. Straight onto the mics with no conversation. Prior. That's perfect. This is the way I like it. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Welcome back to The Grit. How many uh, times did you tell people, like, starting around December 28th, 29th, see you next decade? Never. Yeah. Not a once. Do you, do you like when people do that? Do you like this? Do you like the more subtle see you next year? I like neither. Yeah. I think both of them are completely trite. With a real stifled giggle at the end. They think it's so funny. Yeah. I prefer originality in my com- in my comedy. I didn't really get to see you next decade because, I mean, I mean, I, get, I mean, I get it. It's we're starting twenty twenty to twenty thirty, but it, it's not. I guess I completely get it. It's not arbitrary at all. Well, I think technically the decade starts at twenty twenty one. You think so? I I think that's the way that it works. Yeah. I don't know. That seems really rude. It's like the week starts on Sunday, not Monday. Well, yeah, but really the week starts Monday. Let's be honest. Right. Exactly. Kind of starts twenty twenty too. Yeah. Let's I don't know who frank. makes these rules. Awful rules. Yeah, they are stupid. Um, thanks to Album Surfboards. Prettiest little surf shop in the entire world. For being open on a holiday week. This is nice. Everybody, if you're around San Clemente, uh, you should swing in and get yourself a new board. I guarantee many listeners did not get what they wanted for Christmas. They could return half of it, come in, and buy an album surfboard instead. Totally. And not just San Clemente. Um, Matt Parker opened up shop in on the Gold Coast of Australia in this last year as well. Fantastic. Is it a pop-up or is it a... No, it's proper. Like, they're building boards there now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So Australians. I mean, he's got Josh Kerr. He's got Asher Pacey. So. I hope a shop doesn't burn down. No. Dude, seriously. Let's give a quick uh, shout-out of acknowledgement to Australia, which is being ravaged by the worst wildfires seen in decades, with large swaths of the country devastated since the fire season began in late July. Total of 18 people have died nationwide, and in the state of New South Wales alone, more than 900 houses have been destroyed. State and federal authorities are struggling to contain the massive blazes. It's basically raging out of control. And they've been taking on assistance from other countries, including our own. The United States is helping out. Um, But all of this has been exasperated by persistent heat, drought, and many point to climate change as a factor, making natural disasters going from bad to worse in recent years. Oof. Are you you sending thoughts and prayers right now? Um, No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Also, one of my pet peeves, sending thoughts and prayers. (laughs) awareness campaigns are terrible thoughts and but, prayers yeah but it's no, a real it is a real bummer poor, poor australia is really getting cooked um last year when i was out there i spent an afternoon or a day at andrew kidman's mm-hmm. big sky ranch and uh i texted him a while back asking like hey dude what's going on and it was before the fires got really terrible yeah and uh he never replied back so Oof. i don't know if that was just that he's off social media for a bit or Hopefully he's all good. He's got a crazy ranch like that's in the thick of it all. And it's I in, actually... It's near Byron, yeah? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Okay. Drivable from Byron. Okay. Um, and then I met a, a podcast listener in the water. He said, what's up? And then we got distracted and caught waves. And he messaged me later that night. And so we ended up... I went to his place and had dinner with his wife and friends and stuff. And they were on a giant sprawling property as well. So... Oh, yeah. I hate to envision those things being swept away yeah but the stories are harrowing like people getting in boats to escape 
Because it's like all the roads inland are, are completely yeah. fried. So they're like, well, where do we go from here? I guess the ocean is the only way. So they go into a boat thinking this will pass in a couple of hours. And then they end up stuck in the boat for, you know, days. I mean, it's, yeah, it is, it is an insane tragedy. It's crazy. Um, well, back to uh, gift giving and the holidays. Did you get any gifts? Um, yeah, I got gifts. What would you get? Anything exciting? I got um, some wonderful AirPods, which I have never had. How do you feel about them? I haven't opened them yet. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I thought they were the most unnecessary kind do, of luxury in the world. Do you use them? Now I do. Are you an AirPodder? I am. Somebody gave them to me last year. I think they're 150 bucks, mm-hmm. or they were at the time. And I'm thinking the regular ones with the wire... With the wires are what? 30. 30? Right. So how do you justify... Are they five times better for five times the price? Short answer, yeah. Yeah. They are. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to give them a go. Well, you don't realize... I didn't realize how many times the wires were getting in my way. Jogging? Jogging, trying to eat my lunch, bring the spoon to my mouth. The other thing is putting it in the kitchen. My iPad doesn't... uh, the volume isn't loud enough to contend with like water running and all that sort of stuff. So I always have, I prefer to have air buds in, but then that tethers you to the iPad and you can't really move around the kitchen or go into the other room or whatever. So that allows me to do all of those things. So you can put professional surfing now on your iPad and walk away, but still in crystal clarity here, Joe Terpel and 89 bringing you the action. Totally. I can't wait to do that. Yes, except... I mean, and the reality is you don't need to watch surfing. When surfing's on, oh. very, very little of it is I mean, surfing. Let's be honest, too. When Joe Trapel and the 1989 world champion Martin Potter are calling the action, you don't need to watch it all. They paint a picture with their words. They really are poets. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> they are. Um, and uh, what about for the kids? Oh, yeah. Do they, uh, what's hip for the kids right now? What did we got? Got a lot of American Girl doll clothes. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Santa brought those. Um, what else? What else did Santa bring? Uh, new skis. Wow. New ski boots. The big the big gift was an Icon Pass this year for everyone. That's what I really got. The whole got. family got an Icon Pass? The whole family got Icon Passes. Whoa, yeah. dude. Yep. When you, I would think that the skis and the ski boots are the big gift. No, no, I you guys pass. are huge gift givers. Uh, it's big, big in the Smith Wallace household. Yeah. Can I become a member of your family? Come on in, come Sweet. on down. Living the good life. What'd you um, get? Well, I was just going to say my friend's kid got the Oculus. Oh yeah, are you familiar? I mean, that's the VR headset, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it? Was the kid just nerding out all Christmas? Yeah, and I tried it the other night. It's you, freaking insane. Did you puke all over the place afterwards? No. Are people puking? No, motion but, sickness. No, no. Uh, but I think they solved it. But oh, okay. I still imagine that as the problem, even though that probably hasn't been the problem for a decade. Well, um, this is, I guess, you know, there's a ton of you know money being invested into the VR space. For a variety of different things. Oculus is like the lead, the front runner in the kind of uh, gaming version of it. So you put this headset on, you have two controllers, one in each hand with kind of sensors or buttons on every finger. And it's really, really accurate. Like you turn it on and they give you a bunch of tasks to do just to get used to it. And you're in like this 360 degree space and it looks kind of like Tron, like it's all neon and digital. Uh, so it's not meant to look realistic, but while you're in this 3D space, they give you tasks to do like, here, pick up these blocks, stack these blocks. Here's a ping pong paddle and ball, like throw it up and hit it. 
And so you just get used to using it. And then after you go through those steps, you can play a couple of different games, shooting first person shooter games and stuff like that. But it's crazy how within five minutes you are living in this space now. You're, and you, you are Tron. You really are. You think you're there and it, it disconnects you from the real world completely. Like this now becomes the real world. It's scary, actually. Do they have a surfing game? No. Well, I, they might. I We didn't. His kid didn't have one. There was a, um, I can't remember if they were German or what they were, but uh, a development company, I don't know if they're still there, in Carlsbad, I do believe, who were developing a virtual reality surf game. Mm-hmm. And I went out and gave it a test run a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was, was it anywhere near usable at that point? It was real Tron-y still. Okay. Uh, like, I mean, yeah, you know, the wave was... But they they based the waves off real real waves, obviously. Okay. But they, I think they really tried to get crazy accurate with... I can't remember what it was. If it was Snapper or Bells or something. But they they tried to get crazy accurate with the wave. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. I remember it being fun. But I also remember thinking, you know, I would never... Who cares? But You're going to care. I mean, yeah. honestly, this gave me a little inkling into what the future looks like. Are you going to get a headset for yourself now? Eventually. Yeah. Eventually you'll have to. And really? price will come down and it'll have more applicability for your real life. Wow. But it was it really felt barely second to real life. Like you could imagine in the future this replacing um, outside activities like no longer need to go skiing or surfing i mean surfing is going to be the hardest to replicate but you could easily rep- replicate i don't know rock climbing yeah. or something with this yeah um not easily but you could you replicate could. it sex relationships wow for sure you've been to the future now david <laughs> little i gotta peek into it yeah it was wild did you like did you like what you saw in that future did you think oh yeah that's ain't bad yes that's nothing to be I afraid of here i yeah. kind of hated myself for liking it so yeah. much did you have to get the headset pried off at the end? I mean, were you wanting to play more? Just give me one more, give me one, 10 more minutes. No. No, I was, I was willing to get it. Because they're all making fun of me. Like, you get to a point in the shooting game where you have to do a dance. Yeah. And then everybody in the room starts laughing. You forgot that there were other people in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're all laughing at you and probably, like, videotaping it and putting it on Snapchat or something, you know? And then you feel like a dumb... The, uh... Oh... Oh, yeah. When uh, does the family fight over it? I remember I got... For sure. I got a Nintendo... Back in the like the first good Nintendo, well, it probably wasn't even the first one. Whatever, one of the one regular of the Nintendos, Nintendo. a, yeah, a regular Nintendo yeah. console, the one with Super Mario Brothers and whatnot. And um, yeah, that it got put back in the closet after I think four days or something because of so much family infighting, so much sibling beef. Totally, the, the thing got stuck away. I mean. When I was a kid, those things were limited to 45 minutes a day yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Now, I mean, between you can't pry a screen away from your kid. Between like YouTube and Netflix and everything else, that's their most of their life. Did you did you participate in VR instead of going and surfing the big waves? No, I did not. Did you did you go surf big waves? I did. Well, medium waves. Did you feel when this big swell? We just had a big swell come into Southern California. I mean, big by Southern California standards, yeah. right? Yeah. Would you call that swell big? Yeah. I mean, did you feel like, are you like, okay, like waking up a little early, waxing, waxing your step up, prepping yourself, I getting did, to the beach, doing some stretches before paddling out? I did something that I uh, rarely ever do, which is boat trip. Oh. Central Cal. You boated. You boated. Did you, did you ranch it? I'm not, I, I don't want to reveal too much about it. You ranched it. I'm going to get harassed. Sure. I'm not saying I ranched it, but... Yeah, like wake up at 3 a.m., do the drive, hit it 
so on you, the boat before So dawn. you did a proper strike mission. I mean, Full an on. in-state strike mission. Full on. Wow, David Lee Scales. I'm impressed. And I'll tell you what, there's great waves in this state. Like, left to my own devices, I will just surf within a 10-minute drive of my house and like you'll surf the south side of huntington pier same spot all the time or same little zone all the time even though i know it's twice as good right down the street i'll just surf the same spot because it's easy and i know how to get parking and all that but there's great waves all over you don't need to get on a plane to get good waves in california right amazing that's in that sounds inspirational it was pretty good yeah not nearly as cold as you would think not nearly as arduous as you would think did you um, did you pack any bombs? Did you no? In ter- so back to your question, I felt a little bit of the energy. Um, What'd you surf? Mid length. Ooh, the, like an the, egg? No, the Torn Martin special, the morning of the earth. Okay. The the spot that we ended up at was a little softer. What are the like, di- what are the dims on that again? It's like six ten okay. channel bottom, real thick, real wide. Were you having to were you having to duck dive and whatnot? No. So you there was a nice easy, channel. Easy point break paddle out channel paddle out no yeah, big deal the ranch is fun that way i wouldn't know <laughs> um where'd you what do you where'd you surf I just did you up. feel any of that yeah of course but butterflies not the butterflies but the uh it's so stupid too like just you know right out the front in cardiff like pipes oh, okay. or whatnot but but like going down and like looking at it on the cam and then thinking okay looks fun i'm going getting to the beach and you know just see those you know what after a long layoff for any kind of size it looks like those mountains of whitewash just Mm -hmm. like rolling through the lineup and thinking oh man i gotta paddle through that and then yeah so it's less butterflies more uh regret at lifestyle choices Um, because you feel out of shape not no i'm even in surf shape i've been surfing so it's not that it's just like oh man why haven't why why haven't i pushed myself into bigger surf more in my life kind of thing right yeah where and then i punch through and get out the back and that's the fun part about big energy ish days i feel is just the joy for me at least of getting out the back is like is something right Right. i mean how many times in surfing is the paddle out reward in itself uh in and of itself but i feel that on the bigger southern california days as wimpy as we all are down here or as wimpy as i am um i've like Get out there, sit up on the board, back's a little sore from that hard paddle from those hard duck dives you've did you've done. But yeah, yeah felt did, like Did you get any bigger waves or good ones? Not good, but you know, I caught a couple fun ones. There was before this big swell came in. I don't know why I keep referring it to the big swell. It wasn't a big swell at all, was it? I mean, was this a swell event, a Southern California no. swell event? The amount of talk and jabber I heard no. people giving it. Um, made me think, oh, this must have been a swell event. But the couple of days before must have been Christmas. Have we not spoken since Christmas? We have not. Okay, must have been just before Christmas then. But caught just such a fun day. It was just shoulder high, peely, empty lineup. I think everybody must have been surfed out. Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, last time I surfed, I actually surfed Cardiff last year on one of the like really big swells. And um, three. Yeah, yeah, and had like the easiest paddle out ever. Like, was standing on the beach feeling the way that you're talking about. Like, oh man, I might not make the paddle out. Yeah, I'm just accepting right now that I might just get smashed for 40 minutes, turn and I'll around. just turn around and come in. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I lucked into the paddle out, like ducked over a couple, but never got caught inside or anything. Just like kind of 
made it to the outside really uh, fairly easily. Got four waves in a row. Whoa. Just like a wave came to me, I went. As I'm paddling out, another one came, I went. As I paddled, four in a row within like 20 or 30 minutes. And on that fourth one, ended up way down the beach in front of that restaurant. Yeah. And I was like, I think I should just go in. I still have an hour to surf if I wanted to, but I don't think it's going to get better than that. I'm out of here. And I just bailed. It feels so good to be able to do that. You know what's weird is as I've gotten older, my surfing has gotten worse, but my ocean awareness is better just through repetition. And so I find that I don't really get pounded as much and I don't get like, I do less use less energy first yeah. of all and i get punished less um once i'm up and riding i'm not surfing nearly as well but i remember being young and just getting smashed all the time not knowing how to navigate through the lineup when was the last time you bailed your board on a duck dive you never yeah and i see the pros doing it and i never i'm like i guess i'm not a good enough so i'm not surfing big enough waves or i'm because that's never the best option for me yeah what about you you ever bail it i feel i bailed uh, not yesterday, but I bailed on a, the last bigger swell. Like I was just right where the wave was going to hit me. And I'm like, I got nothing to prove to no one. Like who cares? Like where I knew that my duck dive wasn't going to be deep enough that I was going to take that wave on the back Yeah, and just thought, and I was tired already. So I thought, screw it. And just like bailed like a full kook. There was nobody behind me or anything. I mean, I thought That's about good. it, but the, the, Thing is, it's always a safer option for me to have a flotation device with me. Oh, that's yeah. generally why I don't bail. I think a lot of the pros that you see bailing, it's because their boards are so giant. Like if they're surfing, obviously jaws or something, but even pipe, there's not enough water underneath them, yeah, and it's the hard board's to push it big. Down. Yeah, the uh, I always like the feeling that feeling of being pretty tired, like having surfed, you know, for a while, and then hard paddle out again, whatever. Like being being exhausted and just totally giving up, just like. Kind of not even trying to push down deep, just letting the wave really ragdoll you pretty good. Yeah. I mean, for at least the the big waves that I surf, the Southern California big. That's well, fun. the other detail that you kind of alluded to is it feels good. It yeah. just feels good to get humbled occasionally and just get worked. It totally feels, yeah, the, I like that. I like the feeling of kind of the sort of heart in the throat of when you're paddling out and a wave is cresting. Uh, and again, ain't talking pipeline or Waimea right. or anything legit. I'm talking four to six foot Southern California beach break. Um, yeah, but just thinking, okay, am I going to make it? I'm not going to make it. Going to make it. Not like those actually having what feels in the moment, like critical decision making, like the decisions I make now will echo in eternity kind of <laughs> kind of feeling is fairly rare in life, right? It is. But for those moments, you're like, okay. Do, you know, am I gonna do, do I do, am I going for the shoulder? Am I just paddling back into the where the energy is getting spent, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Fun. That's where uh, that's the feeling we're all hoping for. That's what yeah. keeps us in the game. Totally, you don't ever feel that in life. Totally. Um, speaking of big waves and treacherous outcomes, Cole Christensen. Ooh, yeah. You read about that on Beach Grit? I did. Yeah. I'm gonna quote from Beach Grit. Um, Derek did an interview with Jamie O'Brien, I believe. Yes. Right. So Jamie said, quote, uh, Cole was on the second reef double up, roll in, and the wave before had some turbulence, and he skipped out. Cole's a great surfer. He knows what he's doing. He's the kind of guy that you don't see until it's bigger than 10 feet. It took a while for him to pop up, and I'll fill in some of Jamie's quote. Um, Cole was on that second reef double up and pulled into a closeout, essentially, and the closeout just ran off, so he's in the barrel. 
So then Jamie picks up by saying, it took a, a while for him to pop up and I knew something was wrong. He was looking the wrong way and the lip of an eight foot wave landed on him and his board was sideways and he was right behind the board. From my point of view, it looked like the limp la launched the board straight into his head and knocked him out. I'm not sure if it broke his eardrum first or if that's why he was out of it. So what Jamie's saying is after he pulled into that closeout, he then sees Cole pop up and looks disoriented. And the next wave hits, but the board is near Cole and the you know whitewash from the next wave hits Cole's board into his own head. So then Jamie says, I saw the board tombstoning right when I got to the beach. The jet ski was already on him. Makua Rothman was already swimming out. It was super gnarly. I knew there was nothing I could do. He was in good hands. Uh, it was lucky help was there faster than I was. I was trying my best. And Jamie said, in regard to whether or not Jamie planned to surf that day, he said, it wasn't really worth it. 12 to 15 footers. It was as gnarly and big as pipe gets. I was talking to Dave Wassel briefly about it. And he said that if Cole wasn't wearing his float suit, it would have been a much different scenario. Apparently that made a big difference in getting him to the beach. He was unconscious and out of it on the beach. He didn't know what was going on. I heard he really wasn't doing that well, end quote. So that vest, I always think of as being um, important for floating you to the surface, which obviously it is. But then in this scenario... Got him to the beach. Yeah, like if you're trying to rescue yeah. dead weight in the water, it helps to have them floating I rather mean, than sinking. Completely. So... As a real... I mean, reading that story, and I think this all the time, I don't know how there's not three to six people who die every single day out at Pipeline, right? Totally. I mean testament i guess to how good those guys are and uh, how good uh, the beach rescue precisely is. all of it but my goodness i mean boards flying that and not that it was necessarily crowded that day i mean the day i watched a couple on instagram i think those like it's funny the pipe when it's whatever second reef or third reef or whatever it is it almost looks like a roll-in mm -hmm. like it looks it looks almost easy and you i mean clearly obviously not but it almost looks like a roll-in where you just roll have a nice fun roll-in and then just set up for your big pipe cavern right it almost yeah. seems like it'd be easier to surf that kind of pipe than normal you know six to eight foot pipe for sure it is easier to roll in but uh you're gonna have to dodge a bunch getting out there to find that roll in and then by the way the roll in's easy standing tall in the cavern is where it crazy takes the town real balls. i mean all of it all of it i mean it's you know i guess it we just get so used to it uh, it look, it. You're right. It looks easy. But it it looks easy, but it's but it's also insane what those guys are doing. So and I don't know how every okay if it's you know ten to twelve foot pipe how you, it's not not a guarantee that three people are dying today. Who is I it? Know. Right? Like I mean how in the, I mean yeah. Well, what's crazy is is that Cole Christensen's the one who gets hurt. Yeah. Because you're right. There's a bunch of kooks out there who should be the ones getting hurt. Are, are there a bunch of kooks, kooks out there? You reckon on a ten to twelve foot day, or you reckon it's like cream of the cream of the creme? Dude, I think there's kooks out there when it's gnarly. Really? For sure. Yeah. yeah. And so I've how, heard horror stories. I mean, and so how are those guys not just getting honestly killed? I have no idea. I was there last year in October. Yeah, October. Um, I saw this dude paddle out, and it wasn't pipe wasn't working, yeah. but there was tons of swell. And so down the beach a little bit, like at Aukai, it was like these big right-hander. I mean, to me, they look big, but if you watch them on video, it's probably not that impressive, you know? But to me, I was still like sketched out to paddle out. And there was this dude 
just a full-blown tourist on like a soft top foamy. And I saw him on the beach and I was like, oh, he is going to get smashed on the paddle out. He somehow lucked into the paddle out, timed it perfectly, coincidentally, because it wasn't due to his own like navigation skills. Um, And he ends up sitting out the back and I'm going, okay, well now we're going to sit on the beach for 10 minutes just until he gets smoked. Completely. And he somehow just floated through the lineup and never got smoked by one of the bombs. And then I ended up losing interest in having to leave before I figured out how he got to the beach because I was thinking eventually he's going to have to come in. So there was so he wasn't he wasn't even trying to paddle for any waves or anything. Not really. Once he was he, out of position for everything. He was just kind of floating out. Well, there. So once he got out there, he realized, oh, I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be out here. But whatever. He, he surprisingly didn't even look that scared. Of, oh, he wasn't like frantically trying to get out of the way of sets. Are you sure it wasn't Jamie O'Brien? I'm positive. Yeah. <laughs> But I was so confused. Like, how is any, why are the lifeguards even letting him go? Yeah. Out? You know, like, what's going to happen? And this isn't really the gnarliest of days. I mean, I've heard, I've heard all kinds of stories, uh, especially from when I was writing um, Welcome to Paradise, about lifeguards telling people multiple times, do not go, do not go, do not go. And the tourists just like totally thumbing their nose at lifeguards. Right. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting out there. Yeah. This, I came all the way from wherever to do this. And like, completely putting the lifeguard's life in danger at that point, totally. right? Uh, all, like, I mean, if a Hawaiian lifeguard was observing me and told me not to go paddle out somewhere, I feel like I'm a rule breaker, kind of generally. feel like I'm, you know, like to go my own way. I would happily bow my head and say, I'm so sorry, sir, for even being on your beach, sir. I, I will now vacate your beach. It totally. Like, I mean, I would, yeah. It's like, insane. If they're assessing my so skill and thinking, don't, don't do it, bro. Yeah. I would not do it. Um, what's crazy to me about that wave, did you see the video footage of... I didn't see Coles. I haven't watched the video of Coles yet. So you guys, uh, Derek posted it in this article, and I'll yep. post a link to it in our show notes. But um, there's like a, I want to say a 20-minute video of the day's footage. And Coles wave is at like the 10-minute mark. So you could see that wave. It's not... It's this happens all the time where the wave doesn't look that crazy. Like the wipeout doesn't look as bad as the outcome is, where he just pulls into a closeout and it's not even like a big gnarly closeout. It kind of like tapers into the smaller section of it. But remember when Evan Geiselman yeah. almost died? I mean, his Evan Geiselman's was a double up. But, but it was still just a standard closeout barrel that you see a hundred times a day at Pipeline. Well, I mean, see, but that's the, uh, that's a thing that always confuses me, I suppose, and I guess it's not that confusing, is they say that packing a closeout is safer than the alternatives, right? It's safer, safer than, than straightening out. It's safer than straightening out and catching the lip on the head and being right. driven down to the reef, right? Right. And so you're, is there anything else to do? There's nothing else to do besides pack closeouts, right? You could try not, to shoot through the back. It's not like they're trying to be styly, though, in and that's just the only that's your only option at that point right that's, I think that's a thing that i wonder you could do what i just like bottom turn hard and like force your way through the back of the wave if you're really trying to protect life and limb yeah but pulling into the closeout you get the shot sure i think that's been the general con- so is that so is that what you think is happening i was under the impression that it, it, once you're committed on those waves and you're not going to straighten out because clearly you're not going to straighten out because you're just going to get a lip to the reef uh then that's your option. I think... Or you're thinking, though, they're going for the shot. Uh, yes, but there's a third option, which is you th- you're you not sure it's going to close out. Yeah. So you're going to try to make the barrel and it yeah. ends up being a closeout. I think Evan Geiselman's, I remember being pretty clearly just a closeout. Yeah. If, but if you're picking the line to try to make the wave, 
it's really difficult to get enough projection to push through the back of the wave yeah. once you're committed to that line. Exactly. You kind of need to get to your feet, assess that it's going to close out, then you could drive off the bottom and try to pull through the back. Cole Christensen's was makeable. Like the thing was tapering and he was just trying to make the wave. He didn't know it was going to close out. So deadly. Yeah. Um, but then the flip side of that is the waves that end up looking the most crazy white, like somebody standing up at the top, jumping off of it somebody like a Jaws. Precisely. Somebody getting, or, or even the ones at Chopu where they like basically get caught in the lip and go down with the lip where you just think, oh. Like, they don't get hurt. No. It's always the weird, you're exactly right. It's always the weird, clo- the weird closeout that doesn't look that big. Yeah. is the one that is just the ender. Remember C.J. Hobgood in um, N2F by C getting yeah. sucked over the falls at Chopes? Yeah. I mean, that is, how do you not die? But there was but there was not even like a reef cut on that one, was there? No. He I was, think, and he paddled back, I'm pretty sure he got back out and got like an eight on yeah, the next wave. Exactly. And then Andy Irons at Pipe, remember him like paddling into a wave, deciding to like bail his board and hopefully get out the back and it just sucks him over the falls? Totally. Um, and didn't get hurt on that either. So, Kelly Slater injured his foot pulling into a closeout barrel at J Bay. Closeouts. Right? Closeouts are the and deadliest. That was, that was like a four foot nothing barrel. The secret deadly killer of surfing. They we really are. Just identified it today. Don't pull in. Ever. Nobody ever should try to get barreled anymore. Barrels are deadly, but especially yeah. closeouts. All along, people have been telling me that the pullout is non effective. The pullout method is the most effective. Works a hundred percent of the time, every 100% time. Of the time. <laughs> um, all right. Well, shout out to Cole Christensen. Hopefully, he will. Uh, yeah, recover. recover. Oh, see, the, the other thing about that kind of stuff, which I guess those people are just cut from a different cloth. Anyway, I imagine how in the world something like that happens to you, and you're not like, okay, yeah, sweet. I more or less dodged it, and. I'm good now. Quit surfing altogether. Not quit surfing altogether, but just like uh, no more 10 to 12 foot gnarly pipe days. Jamie Ryan's not going out, and I'm not going out either. I think that's what um, Nathan Fletcher told me when I interviewed him for that film, Heavy Water. Is he done? You were going to come to that interview, I think. I was going to come. I can't remember what happened there. I don't know if we talked about that on air or not, but Chaz was supposed to be there. By the way, Bruce Irons was supposed to be there too later in the day. Like Once I connected with those guys in their hotel room, Bruce was texting and calling and they're like, stick around and you can hang out with Bruce and you can even interview Bruce. Um, and I couldn't because I just had things to do. But I'll come back to um, the Nathan Fletcher thing. Is Bruce, what's the deal with Bruce, dude? He was in Stab's recent no contest thing that they oh, just put out a day or two ago. I didn't see it. Was he looking Was he looking good? Was he looking worse and worse? Dude, worse and worse every time I see the guy on like the surfer pole awards this year yep. he'll post Instagram videos and it's like, it's sad. It's actually sad to see him kind of, uh, was he, was he coherent in the no contest? Barely. Really? I mean, Ooh. just barely. Was he just talking about pipe and whatnot? Like yeah, they standard, were, they were asking him exactly super standard questions okay. about like what's pipe. And he's just spit, spewing hyperbole about the proving grounds. And when I was a kid, it was so gnarly, bro. You do not go into somebody's backyard, you know, oh, and no. just like yeah, about just... how badass Hawaii is, which is all true. Like, sure. I'm not, but it like standard fare. And he's just, I mean, it, he's not looking healthy. That is, is what it is. Who's who's Bruce? Is he still on Ruka? No. Is he on no one? He's on no one, dude. Really? Yeah. You should get on Hurley. He's off it all. Hurley should Hurley should do, do a do a quick move. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Irons. 
we'll we'll segue to the Hurley story in a minute. Um, but Nathan Fletcher was saying, yeah, that he's his couple of career defining moments are wipeouts, basically. Yeah. Like I mean, that, that one Chopu wave yeah. is so insane. Exactly. And but he's done and the other one was like that massive cloud breaks well, which was with Bruce. Um he's put himself into positions and he's obviously made a million crazy waves, but he's put himself into these positions. They end up being wipeouts, but they then secure a sponsorship at the time. The original one was with gotcha. Yep. And then the later one was, I forget what. Um, and he's still making a successful living as a pro surfer via vans. And, uh, but he's done kind of putting himself in those positions because now he's got a kid. I, I mean, honestly, you just get older, I think, and you have less of, your brain chemistry changes and you have more understanding of consequence and that sort of thing. But sometimes, it, yeah, I mean, I guess some kid, I think will do it too. Sure. But like how many, I mean, so many of the, of the big wave surfers who have died surfing, uh, are dads. Well, they're younger, I guess too, like Simon Malosky and yeah, but yeah, I mean, well, Nathan's, but, uh, Nathan's like Shane older. Dorian backed out of the, sure. He challenged this year. Sure. Presumably for that exact reason. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, that's what I wonder how, it, if you've had the guts to do it and you, and you have your moments, how you don't, I mean, you don't just think exactly like Nathan or, or Shane for that matter of like, Hey, I really rolled the dice one and I'm walking away from the table, which I guess the, but the same impulse that makes you do that kind of stuff is the, would be keep you at the table. I would imagine. I guess how many free passes do you get? Yeah. That's the question. And if you've felt if you've felt like you've stared death in the face once or twice, I don't know that you need to feel that again. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like your perspective on life has changed since you've had a kid, or in um, what ways has it changed? Yes, I'm trying to think because obviously my compulsion isn't big wave surfing; it's Middle Eastern travel, or more or less. I mean, I guess is that's the thing that I'm always that I'm addicted to. Uh, and how has it changed that? Are you less inclined to go put yourself in those situations? No, unfortunately, mm. I should be. the the <laughs> the uh, The thought of leaving uh, my daughter fatherless is a horrible, horrible thought and feeling. But I think I still feel like oh, I got I got like. Oh man, like even, you know, hearing about the whole Iran stuff happening today, Iraq essentially re-blowing up and all this, all, all I'm thinking driving up is how do I get, how can I get to Iraq? Really? But, yeah. But uh, yeah. That's... I guess when you're there or when you've been in those situations, do you actually feel like you're on the brink of demise? Not really. It feels super chaotic. Yeah. Uh, but it, I still feel like I can handle it. Right. Until, I mean, I, you know, and I've been in situations where it's gone actually pear-shaped, where it was completely out of my control. But I guess maybe that's akin to my big wipeout where I popped up and thought, Ooh, okay, survived that one and, you know, licked my wounds for a minute. And then how, how do I get back? Yeah, that's an interesting thing about human psychology. It's weird. To, and maybe it's, it's just what it is about those guys, too, is you just feel you can control it. Like, or or I can control enough of it to make it a... A thrill. Both a thrill, but then also a calculated yeah. risk. It's not just like, it's not like the kook on a soft top paddling out a right. pipe and getting lucky. Because I don't feel, 
even though it could be 100% luck, I don't feel it's luck when it's happening, right? I feel like my own and friends that I'm with's ability to navigate that is what saved us. That That is the weird, interesting thing about that human psychology is like, we will fight for, or we'll work super hard for comforts. Yep. But if you're just sitting on the sofa in your, you know, 73 degree home, you are more bored. That's the most boring possible scenario. Well, and it's, I mean, it's just such a, I don't know if it's good or bad or what, but a semi-awful juxtaposition, I suppose, is when I'm sitting on my couch, bored, all I'm thinking is, you know, adventurous trip or whatever. When I'm there, when I'm caught in some bad Somali or Yemeni or whatever situation and everything's falling apart all i'm thinking is why can't i do why did i leave that couch exactly what what pushed me here this is dumb yeah um i guess i yeah i guess in regards to the kid to having a kid uh yeah i guess it i mean i'm just thinking of the trips i've taken since and it's really ramped down so it must have fundamentally affected my willingness Chaz Michael Michaels wrote uh, in the comments of that story about Cole Christensen that he had his eardrum busted on a wipeout earlier, uh, 2019. And he was disoriented. He said when he was looking at the whitewash coming at him, he thought it was snow. Ooh. Like he was just that disoriented. He was like envisioning mountains and snow. Didn't know where he was, and but knew that it was panic worthy. And so said that he just like held onto his board and pictured his kid or maybe kids. And like that picture of his kids helped him. Yeah. It was like all the strength that he needed just to hold onto the board. Got, you know, uh, basically pushed to the beach by the whitewash, probably pretty chaotically. And then got to the beach to safety and like sorted it all out. But that vision of the kids was what saved him. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Chaz. Chaz Michael Michaels, bringing the goods always yeah. in Beatria comment section. Um, so kind of tied into everything that you're saying and then also our uh, end of the decade conversation. Where were you in 2009? Like what were you doing in 2009 and how is your life different? Were you married? You- no. 2009, I think think i would have been for 2020 right 2009 i would have been living in australia yeah so drastically different doing what why were you there and what were you doing for a living i was writing for surfing magazine uh and stab um and that was it like i uh, back then make enough money writing for magazines yeah i was (laughs) i was stab and surfing where in australia I lived between, I would just bounce back and forth between Melbourne and um, and Bondi because Derek and Stab were in Bondi and I had a girlfriend in Melbourne. So I would honestly just, and the flights, like I had fled, you know, a broken marriage and whatnot from back here, back home. And I thought, why in the world am I going to tie down in one place? The, to me, Melbourne felt a lot like New York and Bondi, Sydney felt a lot like L.A., and just the one hour flight back and forth it was so I would I would just go honestly three days three days three days three days just back and forth back and forth back and forth couch surfing uh, yeah I'd stay with my girlfriend when I was in Melbourne and then just stay with Derek or Sam 
when, or or yeah, mostly Derek. When, so not paying rent or tied to anything. No, and then and then I just I had just got an apartment uh, actually in Melbourne, um, but hadn't moved in yet. Uh, when I came back to work on who was Gob, and then never went back to, or been back to Australia since, but, but left everything behind. Um, so how has your life changed since then? I mean, that is a huge, a lot. So much has changed. Yeah. Marriage, marriage, children, home ownership, all of like, it. Yeah. Crazy career. But, but it doesn't feel any different really when I think about it. Really? I mean, my life is different, but I don't feel different. Okay. How did, how, how, what were you doing in 2009? Dude, my wife, my life is wildly different. I were was, you married? I got married in 2009, like in September. Okay. So you were so freshly I was just married. married. I had my wine shop. Like I owned a business. Wow. I had my wine shop. And I was right in the middle of like the five-year lease. So kind of right in the thick of it where it was like fully formed and developed and thriving. And it was like working. Like you weren't fully. like, you weren't stressing, paying the bills. Oh, each I was month. super stressed all the time. Yeah completely stressed all the time that's the problem so it was retail we had like a thousand square feet of retail and then like a thousand square feet of wine locker storage in the back which is a much more um just like a one-time build out and then customers just pay either yearly or monthly and it just kind of runs itself but the retail business is treacherous dude it, you're always chasing invoices and we'd have like a phenomenal friday night the greatest friday like night in sales it. ever yeah and it felt so good for those few hours before I my head hit the pillow. And I wake up in the morning and go, oh, now the shelves are pretty empty, which means I have to buy a bunch more wine. Like, it's great that I have all this money that I can now pay those invoices with, but I just need to buy more wine. And then those invoices are going to be due in 30 days. And so, so you're, yeah. And I mean, we did it. We did it successfully for that five years, but it's you're always, always chasing. So you never kind of get a reprieve from that stress as, you know? as stupid as it sounds that's how i feel with beach grit these days really because beach grit has hit like kind of critical growth oddly since or maybe not oddly maybe because it's just so good uh but since august just like a full-on hockey stick of growth uh and i, I would have thought if you would have told me you know in i don't know whatever eight months ago Hey, Beach Grit is going to go through the roof in a way you couldn't even imagine. Uh, I would have thought, great. But now I really, it's exactly that. It's like you have a great night, a Friday night of sales, and you wake up in the morning paranoid that you're not going to be able to keep it going. How like, do we do that, it again? Yeah, how do, how do you do it again? It was so much easier when it was small. Yeah. Like, because there's nothing to do again. It's just, you just do your thing. Right? And there's also less consequence when it's small. Like, there's no consequence. Even. Yeah. I mean, if you it, fall down, nobody cares. Yeah. If it fails, it fails. If, if Beach Grit would have gone away after a four fun four year run, then people would have remembered it and talked fondly about it. And then it would have faded off. And, you know, not that, not that they won't or not that there's any big consequence now, but it sure. Yeah. Now there is. Yeah. Now there's like livelihoods on the line and things like that. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so you're married, so anyways, wine shop. What was your, what was your, you were just a surfer. You just surfed. In terms of. I mean, you had no, you had no like industry toehold or, I mean, had you. Had, in terms of transitioning into the surf industry? No. I mean, did you have any involvement at all in the surf industry at that point? I mean, did you even have the podcast? No, 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 no. I didn't start the podcast until 2013. So you were just a surfer. 
you you are yeah. a wine shop like owner, grew- a married wine shop owner who surfed. Yeah, just that's <laughs> it. Like I mean, I grew up surfing in Huntington Beach, like yeah. around that area. So like a lot of my friends like went on to become either industry people or like pro surfers, like Brett Simpson, you know, or yeah. something like that. Uh, and so yeah, basically in that last ten years, got divorced, closed that business, transitioned careers into the surf world gone through like the dating thing like it's just been but but do you feel different do you as no like, you're not... see, that's the i mean my circumstances are wildly different but i don't feel different you're right i don't yeah no i don't feel different and i i still feel like i have the same or similar i mean obviously added you know i, I now dream for my child too but uh i feel you know like I feel as inspired today as back then. Like I, I feel wiser, I guess. Yeah. Or knowing, I have more more experience with what it takes to make things work. Totally. But mm, that's probably it. I'm more cynical. Really? Yeah, I think I'm more judicious, like in the like decision making and kind of business whatever. But I'm also more cynical in a way that I'm not proud of or that I don't think serves me well. It only makes me. Um, enjoy life less. Okay. Less grateful. Yeah. You know? Um, but somebody said to me a w- years ago that I think rings really true is that people generally overestimate what they can accomplish in a year and then wildly underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 years. Oh. So they'll found. say, you know, oh, this year I want to have a six pack by the end of the year or lose 20 pounds or whatever, it, or I want to um, own a home by the end of the year or be married by the end or whatever. And those things are actually really tough to get done in a short period of time. But when you are at the end of a 10-year cycle and you look back, you realize you've covered so much ground. Are you happier or more fulfilled or whatever where you are today than you were 10 years ago? (sighs) Shoot, I don't know. If if you could still be married, have have four wine shops, thriving little businesses dotting the Southland. (laughs) Do you like when... Greater LA is called the Southland. I'm okay with it. Uh, um, would you would you trade that? No. That trajectory for the the Not rough and tumble life of surf podcasting? Not at all. Honestly, my happiness was never informed by any of those things. Yeah. Like I feel like I was happy, like specifically in regard to marriage or love relationships. I was happy before I got married. I was happy when I was married. I'm happy after I got divorced. You know, like I, those things actually don't really, I think happiness is more of like a, I don't know, character trait maybe? Look, look at you. You're, you're being so Zen today. What do you think? So Buddhist. Um, yeah. I mean, I think happiness, obviously you can be, I think maybe you're right. I mean, I think I'm a pretty happy, happy go lucky kind of person in general. And think yeah like i i I mean i feel the same i was happy before happy in the middle and happy now yeah i think those things affect your mood on a day-to-day but like i'm proud of the work that i do and i feel good about the work that i like those things that i'm invested in are really what uh i don't know affect that stuff more than anything do you think your ex-wife is happier today than 10 years ago interestingly um no, she's the exact same. Like she was miserable then, she's miserable now. <laughs> I mean, I say that it sounds like I'm being rude, but it's true. It's like 
Yeah, oh, it's not that's real funny. Yeah, I mean it's true. Very funny. Um, anyways, this is a, a unique episode that we're putting together here. I mean, it's good. It's a. It's a. It's reflective. I think it's that's what the end of the year should be. Precisely, know? it's reflective and forward-looking. It is. So, by the way, Nike sells Hurley. Yeah. So this is the huge story of the last week or two. Talk about people getting sad. I, you know, I feel, well, we'll get into it. Let me read real quick um, from Beach Grit. Blue Star Alliance, they own Bebe, Kenzie, Brookstone, Limited 2, and Tahari. I think only two of those names I've ever heard of before. Um, But Blue Star Alliance, they are a company that manages a portfolio of over 300 licenses. And I think from their website, it says, quote, our team of experts embark on a complete and thorough understanding of a brand's potential channels of distribution and price point strategies. We create tools such as a brand development, such as brand development profiles, trend guides, style guides, and marketing strategies. These marketing materials portray graphic illustrations and a strategic marketing roadmap to enhance customer brand recognition. So that company who said that thing is the one who bought Hurley from Nike. And uh, this all basically just says that they're getting rid, of, getting rid of all surf, salt, and DNA in the business. And they're just going to follow a diagram like they've done with all of their businesses to maximize profitability through their already established distribution channels and supply chains. And So what's worse? The way... It was explained to me from the inside is that what's happened, what is uh, gone on is so each category has been separately licensed now, and they also have opened new categories that Hurley never had before, like footwear. Uh, so those are not owned by Blue Star or they're owned by Blue Star, but they're licensed to individuals. Oh, wow. So now you have a bunch of East Coast Garmentos, more or less, who own this guy owns the license for Hurley headwear right? Hurley hats. And that guy, he's not interested in the core model. He, all he wants to do is have Hurley hats at every gas station and anywhere that takes the product. Magnify that across all the categories. So Hurley now will be, I mean, essentially at your gas station. Like it is everywhere. They've, they've already apparently from what I understand or allegedly uh, cut any kind of high-end account uh, it's only they've cut all the high-end design. They've got gotten rid of the entire research and development department team. Like it is only low, low-hanging fruit, big brand, big age, and they're just they'll milk that thing until it's dry. Um, are so you sad about it? Everywhere I'm sad about it. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I think I think the Hurley name for one to be. I mean, I guess that's the. The trouble with naming your brand eponymously is that if something happens bad, then your family name is the thing that actually gets literally, you know, stuffed in Costco and Walmart. Um, But I I think Bob was one of, you know, a real icon of the surf industry. I mean, from his Shaper days to Billabong to starting Hurley. I mean, I think he was a visionary. Um, and really, you know, responsible for so much or yeah, for so much of what we grew up loving, I think, um, in terms of the surf industry, like the way we experience surf, Bob Hurley had a hand in a whole ton of that. And to see it go this way, I think is really, I, yeah, I think it's totally sad. 
I think it's profoundly sad. I think everybody's sad too. I think yeah. I think your Pat O'Connells, your Evan Slaters, the people who are no longer with the brand, right? But who had long experience. I think everybody's fairly devastated. Yeah, it was a real I think, a real ugly move that Nike did. I think um, as you're talking about Bob, has there any, ever been anybody who's navigated something more beautifully and gracefully, like? in a short period of time like his entry into the business from surfboard shaping in costa mesa yep there's nothing more i don't know core yeah. than that you know like that's not a profitable business you have to really really love surfing in order to be a surfboard shaper and you do it for the love of it because there is no money in it and then there's a craftsmanship to it that is real honorable i think and then also um for the best of them an engineering mindset to it. So it's kind of this deft combination of this artistic thing plus this engineering thing. And then, but to have enough savvy to be able to pivot into clothing the way that he did. And I think that he bought the license or got the license for Billabong uh, to bring it to America. Yep. So that was a hugely impressive strategic business decision. And then ramped it up like crazy. I mean, I think he took billabong in the states from like nothing to you know whatever everything it was. yeah to everything. everything yeah and then pivot from that at the exact right moment when surfing was thriving into his own brand and to sell to nike within i think he sold to nike three years after starting hurley so every step of the way and then once he was with nike navigated that beautifully too it was a gorgeous brand i thought i it mean was. from the team it's, to every part of it i thought to maintain like creative control once you sell to somebody like nike is a really really difficult thing to do and keep all the family intact like family working for the brand keep like it was really really well done and then also to experiment with nike 6.0 and then realize that's not working out and exit that also gracefully not to keep using the same word but um beautifully navigated by bob operated with integrity and dignity every step of the way really kind of a personal approach to the business I feel as well where he's still showing up at events still you know at the lowers event there every single day from sun up to sundown I mean he was at the stinking member at the Florida trade show we were oh at. yeah I mean That's he right. was he was slinging Hurley at the booth at the whatever that trade show is called Surf Expo Surf Expo yeah we did a podcast seminar and like I'm midway through a talk and I look up and there's Bob Hurley staring right back at us Making eye contact. Yeah. Going, oh, shoot. Should've. Look away. Look away. But yeah. <laughs> should take this seriously. But And uh, yeah, like I think he really did. Bob did take it seriously, right? Did Bob took both the surf industry and his brand seriously. And always invested back into it. Like I've heard really, really positive, uh, heartwarming stories of him giving people a hand up yeah. when they needed it. You yep. know? And, and by the way, increasing prize money too. Like that was when Hurley took over the US Open, the prize money went from 30,000 bucks for first to 100,000 bucks. Boom. So that set a precedent for a lot of the industry. Um, so it's curious, I'll be curious to see. So one of the, by the way, one of the things that's happening is all no uh, athlete contracts are getting renewed. Yep. Everybody's, Rob Machado's done. Yeah. He's, he's already off. Anybody who was coming up is off. Right. Uh, I think Kolohe has a few more years. I think Philippe has three years, maybe. John John has years left. I think John John has two or three. Uh, yeah. So anybody's on, but, but I can't imagine them signing any of those people, which is, so this is, I guess, the story within the story here. Where do these surfers land? Right. Like there is a class talent on the Hurley roster, even, you know, 
aging a class like the julians and whoever right yeah um but still an a class roster uh everybody else is full like where do they go billabong has a full team uh volcom's not in the that kind of market anymore i don't think Volcom's. Well, they just signed jack robinson last year yeah and so they're he's and, a big get for them and volcom's not uh, volcom's not like the holding the big team you know i can't no. imagine they'll you know go on a signing spree so what happens to these surfers where do they go so that's i think this is a flashpoint for surfing where the whole model changes so do you think that they okay explain what you think is going to happen i think that the whole model has to change i don't think that so if you look at basketball how many nba players are funded by sponsor dollars three percent maybe five percent most of them just live on their salary from their team you know so you think the wsl is going to start paying salaries i don't know like i don't know what the new model looks like i just don't think this is sustainable and it's proven to not be in fact because I mean, we've long questioned the equitability of paying pro surfers just for exposure. Well, now there isn't the same exposure platforms that there were before with magazines and videos and stuff. And Stab also just did this year in, they do the 2019, the year in review, basically, where they ask a bunch of surfers and influencers, who are your favorite surfers? And by the way, what's your favorite surf film of the year? A number of them, Kelly Slater included, said, I don't watch enough surf edits to really weigh in on this. Uh, Jake Patterson said the same thing, even though Jake Patterson makes surf, yeah, makes surf edits throughout the year. It's called Snake Tales. He said, honestly, I don't watch enough surf edits, so I'll just say my own. You guys should watch Snake Tales, you know? So there's no more magazines. There's very few magazines. People aren't watching surf edits, despite that we all live on our screens. So where is the equitability for the brand? It's only through kind of Instagram, maybe. So I think that maybe what we will see is there's marquee athletes, like with the NBA. There's these marquee LeBron or whomever who has a shoe line and the branded shoe. So we have John John Florence making $4 million a year, but we don't really, and maybe we need one regionally. So we also keep Julian Wilson or somewhere in each, throw three key markets in the world, but that's it. And the female athlete, we got Carissa, we got John John, and we got Julian. So every team is going to be, I mean, I've always thought though that the, it's the local pro guy, like the Huntington's dude. I mean, that's the guy who actually moves product, right? The, the most popular, I think, surfer in the water at Huntington, the one that all the kids are looking up to. That's the, that's the guy who they'll go into Jack's or Huntington Surface Port and buy what they see him wearing, right? Yes and no. I think that that's where the small brand can get traction. That's what I the mean. The small, small local small brand. brand. Yeah. So if you're Brixton or Rourke or whatever, and you have the local guy, like that's your business strategy is to grow your business organically from the source. But the kid even buying from that shop will still buy Hurley because John John Florence is riding Hurley. Okay. Like they're still subject to the influence of that top tier guy. Um, in Huntington, it happens to be Kanoe Igarashi, which is both the pinnacle athlete and the local athlete. But I don't think that there's a need for the $100,000 paycheck anymore or even the $300,000 paycheck. So you think So you think this, next, mid- this next decade is going to see pro surfer salaries drop precipitously it's going to drop from sponsors the sponsor money is what drops i think it might get replaced the wsl might be wise 
to actually create a dependence on them, on themselves, like pay them enough. And maybe they already are, by the way. I think the lowest, if you get last place, you get 8,000 bucks a contest. Yeah, I think if you, I think you can go through the year and make what, like a 50 grand? No, more than that. 8,000 bucks a contest, there's 11 contests for the men. So that'd be 88 grand. Okay. Which isn't enough. You're, it costs you 50K just to travel. Well, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what the WSL does is provide travel and accommodation and food for all the surfers. I think. I mean, but they don't care. WSL's not motivated to make it easier for these guys. I guess my point is, if you want to attract the best talent in the world, whether you're a software engineering company or you need to pay the talent, and so if they're not doing that, and Red Bull's doing the Cape Fear event and they're paying, then the surfers are more incentivized just to go do the Red Bull event or something. I wonder if Red Bull's been sitting this whole time, this whole decade, just waiting for the thing to implode and so they could start their own tour. Like, Because the only thing really keeping the WSL going, not that it's going in term, financially, but there's just no alternative, right? I mean, right. you and I watch WSL and talk about WSL and eat, sleep, and breathe WSL because WSL is the only show in town. Yeah. But if there was another league that was captivating, then who's to say we wouldn't be all over that thing? Oh, we totally would. We're, I have no loyalty to the WSL. Yeah. And But that's my point is that the surfers aren't going to have loyalty to the WSL either unless they're making a paycheck. Yeah. And if and I don't think that... But, do, but the WSL is probably looking at the landscape thinking, well, who really? We have zero, we have zero competition. Nobody in their right mind is going to get into this game. Watching us hemorrhage money year on year, like... You know, so we can just honestly, I mean, I would imagine the next decade for the WSL is going to be all about cost cutting and streamlining and whatnot too, making it, making the business look or be valuable, valuable enough to sell. I wonder how much the whole WeWork implosion and all this is affecting the WSL where having an idea seems like is no longer attractive to investors. Right. Like you better have you better have some kind of real, yeah, provable way to make money, not just you know a bunch of it's an weird interest- marketing speak. It's an interesting parallel. I think WeWork's success in raising capital was due to the success of Facebook and Instagram and all these other. I mean, it was a it was a real estate company that pretended it was a tech company right yeah there was no tech there at all <laughs> they were no. they were renting office space probably at a at a deflated rate just because there's so much office space inventory in the world right and then re-renting it to people it they were buying a, long-term leases exactly. like buying 20-year leases selling them on short term which is which like is we'll rent you a desk monthly at this inflated premium which is and total- we're gonna have kombucha Totally a fine business model, right? But their their no, problem because then is, you're you're held accountable to this long term debt. Sure, I mean, so but, you're you're subject subject to moods sw- mood swings in the market. I mean, to completely. But if they would have if they would have positioned themselves as a hey, we're a we're a real estate company, we own and or have long term leases on some of the most premium office space in the entire world. You know, there's there's a business. It's not the. I mean, the, their problem was, I think, that they gave themselves a whatever crazy billion dollar valuation, and where essentially it's all it is. They're they're a subleaser. The problem, I think, was Adam Newman, the CEO, paying himself 
you know, taking that money and buying private jets and sure. flying around the world and like comp- paying himself crazy bonuses and all that sort of stuff. So, but what like WSL now hemorrhaging? Like, You're right? It's an interesting analogy. But they've been they've been on WSL has been on, and again, I wish we could see Eric Logan and what he's he's thinking. But he's ghosted, vanished. We, I haven't checked him recently. Is he we, still gone? Well, yeah, we drove him out of the game entirely. Yeah. There has not been one. Let's find his last Instagram post was still head hung low, sitting there in the sunset, November seventh, twenty nineteen, a day Vanquish. that shall live in infamy. <laughs> yeah, done. And He's so the world's I, most prolific surf Instagrammer. But that's Vanquish. The, done. But that's the thing, though. Is I like. They had so much marketing speak there, right? About how they were going to own surfing. And maybe they're all still really bullish on this. Maybe they still think this will work. But I have to imagine at this point, the airs has to have gone out of the tires in terms of owning surfing's value, right? Yeah. Uh, because, and again, it's the same kind of airy weirdness that WeWorks, you know, we own new business culture or new office culture. I mean, yeah. I think that's what WeWork was positioning surf. Or WSL and the Ziffs owning surfing and then uh-oh A, that's weird and impossible to own B, where are you making money C, where are you making money D, where are you making money like where's the where's your I mean, again it's rude to start off 2020 harping on the WSL but where, you know they, they produce for us a fun tour that's it. There's no. Yeah. There's been zero fun content. There's been nothing else. But yeah. Also, a fun tour. I don't know. Uh, with a- with this, athletes not getting paid elsewhere, it's going to be interesting. Part of me wants to say that that all breeds better characters. Like if you really have to work for your supper, like you know, getting last place is eight thousand bucks, and then getting second to last is sixteen. Well, I mean, they were just. You're going to work that much harder for it, but. I also think that the most successful companies treat their employees well and pay their employees well so that their employees are invested in the brand and stuff like that. So if you think of the athletes as being employees of the WSL, the WSL would be wise to really invest in their employees. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe this is the year or this is at least the decade where they chop it down to that, you know your top, who you can pay more or less. You chop the tour down to the top 15, whatever, yeah, and yeah. there you go. Yeah. These are your, you get paid to be a professional surfer. Speaking of, maybe they should follow the Drone Racing League. I caught some <laughs> Drone Racing League on NBC. I love it when surfers pound their chests or like the the uh, surf industry or brand type guys or whatever, the Eric Logans, let's just say, you know, oh, we got a show on HBO or we're, we're going to be on the wide world of sports. Like that means anything. Drone Racing League had prime Sunday sports shot slot on NBC or wherever it was like on a legit network that's the so drone funny. racing league fascinating if the drone racing league beat us to the finish beat surfing to the finish line that is a true indictment on the powers I, that be at surfing I will say there's a real shot I watched a good 30 minutes of drone racing league at first just like look at this ah, and then you got into it really yeah I mean it was fun wow a fun show. It the, is exactly what it sounds like. There's a start line and a finish line, and the drones just go. No, they had it in a um, arena. I can't remember where. Like some, and obviously, no, who's going to buy tickets to the drone racing league? So it was empty. But then you realize why it's empty too. They have different 
like gates uh, that are all like LED light at different heights around. And so the track goes kind of look like a spiral up maybe. And so these drones are racing through the gates. Uh, or, you know, I don't even know what the course was, an S course, whatever. But there was different, there was both different heights and they had to pass through these gates. And so they would like knock each other out accidentally going through the gates and whatnot. Oh, wow. But the drones were really flying fast. I mean, it was like the, the difficult part, you could barely track it. It was just like, like just yeah. crazy drones flying. But yeah, the nerds with their VR helmets on who are controlling them sitting at the, on their, in their, you know, fancy drone racing chairs was very, very funny. Dude, that's the other thing that playing with Oculus made me realize is the nerds are going to take over the world. Oh, yeah. Dude. I mean, I've been making have. fun of video game players for a lot of years now. No, they are taking over. Drone racers are going to be the new professional surfer. New professional surfer, the new, I mean, they are already the ones. Look at Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, the nerdiest most aggressively nerdy in the worst possible way like has a chip on his shoulder uh is vindictive is perpetually aggrieved for being the uncool guy now and for a long time has been one of the most powerful men on earth controlling the way we communicate like it is honest proper revenge of the nerds controlling the way that elections are won and lost yeah it is re- we are we are living right it's, in the middle. Oculus Oculus ain't gonna change that. We are already living in revenge the revenge of the nerds. You know it It'll all just comes- hasten our demise. I mean, I guess positioning that's the problem is positioning as a non nerd means more or less. It's not like I'm cool. It means I'm irrelevant. Yeah, totally. Like I'm not I'm not saying I'm cool. I'm just saying I am full because I am not a nerd. I am irrelevant. It's totally true. Yep. Wow. Done. Sorry. Thanks, Zuck. Yeah. Just because he couldn't get chicks. That's it. It was all based on hot or not. Exactly. Not That's getting all chicks. That's all that it was. Yep. He's always fighting for valid, being validated <laughs> by the hot chicks. Nerding around, looking at chicks that he can never get, Man. but making, yeah, it's hot depressing. or not. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with um, Love Hurts. We'll come back with Barrel and Love. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, Chaz, welcome back to the show. I thought I got everything I wanted for Christmas, but now I know what I need to do moving forward. Those couple of advertisements titillated your purchasing. If I don't make sound financial investments this new year, I don't know where I'll be. You will be back in the same place that you were Aust- at, the, at the beginning of 2020. I'll be in Australia. Oh, wait. No, I'll be at um, the prettiest little surf shop in the world. Um, by the way, you mentioned Jamie, or we mentioned Jamie O'Brien earlier. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. I saw that. Were you, did, were you, it was you who told me that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Fantastic. You were ranked ninth on Stab's list of films that defined a decade with your film, Who is J.O.B.? Fantastic. I really, I'm honored, Stab. Yeah. Thank you for the honor. The what, did, what did you feel about that list? I scrolled through it very quickly. Um, the fact that they put Stab in the Dark on there was, was, <laughs> I mean... That's okay. There That's was their thing. there was two stab films on their list of ten. Mm, sweet. Most, so twenty yeah. percent of the most of the genre defining films of the decade were stab films of the last year and a half. Yeah. Epic. Yeah. Good job, stab. I don't think they were really wrong with their stab films. I mean, I don't know, dude. I, I mean, to call stupid ass stab in the dark. I mean, I think the jury is still out on stab in the darks long-term relevance i mean i think that obviously what are they going to do in the future i feel this last one was such a stinking dud i mean it literally came and went with as far as i could tell i mean uh, you know uh, this is my dang job to be staring at the surf world all day every day all night every night this last stab in the dark passed so quickly and without any fanfare and it seemed now it just all seems preordained it seems like lost has been a you know bios has been a big sponsor or i don't know how big but a Paid a lot of advertisements for Stab, and now, oh, wow, Biolis wins. He hasn't won yet. Whoa, who, yeah. who would have ever thought that? Like, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I think people will look back. I think Stab felt in those years that it was really popping, or what? How long has Stab in the Dark been around? Three years? Three, three or four. Okay, so like year two, where it was like, oh man, this has energy. It's exciting. We can like sell out, you know, whatever, screeners or bars or wherever they screened it. People are can't wait to know who the winner is can't wait you know we have fun all this that and the other thing i think next year people when you mentioned stab in the dark people are, are, aren't even going to remember what it was as a concept what remember the surfboard shaper thing where oh yeah Thank yeah you. well i think that it it definitely has um a limited lifespan of when it's relevant i mean everything it's, has... it's relevant for the the week or month that it's out but it's not, not relevant anymore in... Right. I think this last one was relevant, not even relevant for the hour correct. that it was out. No, correct. But you, if you put that in the pantheon of surf film, in the way that like Chapter 11, Dane Reynolds Chapter 11, which by the way won the number one spot on their list, has staying power. Sure. Uh, Globes films have staying power. You know, those things have these kind of, I don't know, there's much longer... Uh, imprint left yeah i mean that's what i'm much saying. more influence on culture i mean stab in the dark people are not going to remember what it was even as a concept in two years well yeah exactly it fits it'd be better uh, classified as like a web edit yeah even though they're longer in length they're feature length it's a web edit yeah you know whereas those other things are kind of defined as surf film john john florence is done it's, it's the know? the crazy thing i mean about you know human attention span i guess everything even you think american idol right the most popular singing show ever in the history of the world 
that had a run. I mean, it was yeah. what people got tired of it after what twenty years or whatever it was. I mean, a long run, but still, even something as simple and easy to understand as singing, yeah, a singing show, who's the best singer, has a run where people are no longer interested in, in that format. Who's the best singer? I was listening to something the other day, and they posed the question of who was on their respective show longer: Farrah Fawcett on Charlie's Angels or Chevy Chase on SNL. Mm. Do you have a guess? I'd say Farrah. They were both on for one season. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But that became what those people are. Like, imagine the so amount of influence. So iconic in that year. Yeah. Yeah. Just one year of work and boom, you're on the map forever. For and you, all of eternity, this is what they think of you. And nobody, nobody ever, I mean, maybe they do now, but... For all my whole life, nobody would have ever said, Chevy Chase, where did he get his start again? Everyone knew Chevy Chase. Coneheads, on and on and on. Him and Dan Aykroyd, like all of it was Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Heard that guy's a real asshole. Chevy Chase? Yeah. Oh, I heard there was real problems with, or read, there was real problems with him during the, uh, what was the show he's on? Not Parks and Rec. Community. Community, yeah. He like punched Joel McHale in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a crotchety old man. Very funny. Which, yeah, which makes me kind of love him more. Totally. That's exactly what Chevy Chase should be. By the way, in terms of what we're currently watching, um, I know you love Succession. Ooh. A podcast listener in Boston, Evan, um, told me that Yellowstone is like Succession for the Wild West. Okay. It's modern day. It's not like old what, cowboy time. What channel did you know or what network? I I found it. Uh, I downloaded it online, but it, it airs, I think, on CMT. Okay. Which I don't have, yeah. But you could you could find it on the internet or whatever, through whatever. Kevin Costner is the lead. Oh, Kevin Costner, West. It's called Yellowstone. It's called Yellowstone. Okay, in and he uh, is this like huge landowner in Yellowstone in Montana, Um, and you know it's about real estate developers encroaching on his land and the main towns in Montana kind of partnering with. The real estate developers because it's good for the bottom line and taxes and all that stuff so he's trying to protect his land and maintain the dignity of this old way of doing life but by the way he's also now probably a billionaire if not with money in the bank certainly in terms of assets and he's also a cattle rancher so he's making money cattle ranching enough so that they can build out the properties and like have helicopters shuttling them around back and forth so it's this you know nebulous big moneyed interest from a that's spread through a lot of different entities trying to encroach on this singular individual trying to retain uh this thing have you started yeah i'm through i'm midway through season one it's really good okay thank you who's who did that come from uh evan in boston evan in boston thank you so much i'm gonna i'm gonna kick in i was needing a new one i've been on i've got a recommendation for you too okay if you haven't started yet surprise me this one came out of left field the young pope on hbo uh, with Jude, Jude, Jude Law. Law. Yeah. I have not watched it. Exactly. I neither. I thought it assumed when it came out a couple years ago that it was a standard kind of send up with the Catholic Church, you know, like child abuse and whatever, just like tropes that I was not interested in. But I saw the preview, uh, The New Pope, I do believe HBO mm-hmm. is releasing the next season or version of it um, or, or the continuation of it or whatever. And the trailer looks so good. I was like, huh, why didn't I ever go? watch the young pope so started in the young pope fascinating okay i mean i'm four episodes in five but utterly fascinated 
I was inclined to watch the new season because the new season is directed by Paolo Sorrentino. Exactly. Who is he? I mean, the, the old one oh is too. Gosh. He's I, he he created he created wrote and directed as far as I can tell every episode so far of the Young Pope. He is one of my favorite filmmakers. He's what is, what has he done? Filmmaker. Greatest film of the last I don't know five or six years. It's called Youth. Okay. With um, Michael Caine, uh, Harvey Keitel, Paul Dano, Rachel Vice. Okay. Uh, Excited. It's so good. Oh, then you're going to love it. I mean, this is so beautifully shot. Yeah. And beautifully done. The yeah. young. I mean, I, youth. Youth is the same way. I don't know how that. Uh, like, did HBO just do a bad job? Because I feel the Young Pope came out a while ago, right? It's not recent. Dude, HBO. Did they just do a horrible job marketing it? I'm not sure what their program is, but their shows become popular after they go off the air. I mean, it's crazy town. I'm like, I'm thinking, how in the world was I not on the edge of my. I know. red velvet seat for this while it was happening stuff comes and goes and then i find out about it three years later the like, wire Whoa. you know yeah, i'll watch exactly. the wire after it already came out exactly and, and i'm like oh yeah people were talking about that but for them it's like having three half a million viewers is huge yeah. nowadays and that's what they get but that's not that much no you know like youtube videos are getting five million views yeah. or something so that's crazy it's count. weird yeah but i agree um there, first of all, there's so much good programming. HBO, there's so much good programming. It's hard to be on that run, on that heater. It's funny, like even I watched uh, last night. Tried to start Flack, Showtime's new show with Anna Paquin. I haven't the, seen it. It's all. It's t- absolutely terrible. It's one of the worst really? shows. I mean, I've, I watched half before turning it off, but one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. Where I was thinking, this piece of shit would never go up on HBO. Like Showtime, get your shit together. Yeah. Who who greenlit this thing? Yeah, it's that is awful. weird. Awful. Showtime has a spotty record. HBO is much saying. stronger. So, yeah, Showtime's spotty. Showtime's had some real bangers, yeah. Yeah. but also some real cringers. Well, Paolo Sorrentino, look up his films. Okay, I'm there excited. Was a, there was another one. He's Italian. There was a previous uh, to Youth. There was a film called The Great Beauty, okay. which was Italian, set in Italy. Um, and then there's one coming out this year called Loro, which is about... Berlusconi. I've seen the preview, which looks epic. It looks so good. epic. Okay, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. He's, he's so well, good. Well, you're gonna go bananas then yeah, for the yeah. young pope. I'm in. Like it is fantastic. Um, one other recommendation: Have you seen Fleabag? I haven't. I've heard all the buzz, and I started episode one, but was distracted and and haven't played through yet. Do you remember the very first scene of episode one, season one? It was. Uh, what was she doing? She was having sex you was that what it was and she yeah I, i'm not even gonna reveal it if you don't remember right off i mean i was real distracted i turned it on was like emailing or something while it was playing okay the opening three minute scene alone tells you everything you know, need to know about the series and you either love it or not or hate it i loved it are you it so you're so in good. all oh, in on fleabag. so good dude fleabag was epic should we should we turn uh the grit just into a film and television <laughs> review show yes we should i think clearly that's where our passions lie we do not care about surfing at all um should we do a segment of love love hurts brought to you by manscaped let's do it manscaped.com is our sponsor for this segment how does it feel getting that manscaped money oh man so good they're keeping us in business it's crazy town it's great it is crazy town so listeners support manscaped if you want to support Chaz and my work um and by the way not an unkempt junk is so 2019 we are in 2020 ladies and gentlemen and uh you have no excuse 
to not be, I don't know, manscaped and, by the way, hygienic. This is a hygienic move. I feel, too, with the nerds taking over the world, you can probably blend in a little better if you're, like, totally have no body hair at all. I feel nerds generally don't have body hair. If you look at, like, you know, Zuckerberg. Can you picture Mark Zuckerberg growing any body hair? Nope. Smooth as a baby's butt. Exactly. And I can't imagine him hiring people who have lots. I feel that would make him feel weird. New World Order. Exactly. Involves Manscaped. Dot com. And the promo code to keep us in business is the word surfing. You get 20% off and you get free shipping, which is crazy. Uh, but the Lawnmower 2.0 is has skin safe technology. So you don't nick anything. It's waterproof. You could use it in the shower. Get it on manscaped.com. Chaz, love hurts. Love hurts. Okay, so real quick before we begin, uh, are you officially coupled up? <sighs> There was a there was an Instagram post I think no. or, or it was an Instagram sorry it was a text thread text thread Matt Warshaw um, is heavily invested in my love life and every time I see him or talk to him we do deep dives into what it's like dating now and he's trying to give me advice because he's happily married and kid and like he had a perilous navigation of his own dating life for a decade or two so um, yeah he chimed in somebody sent a couple photo to our text thread. And then I was like, Warshaw, check it out. Look what I look who I'm with. Um, so officially coupled up, the answer is yes. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. So now we're things have taken a turn. So okay, so should I present these love hurts in terms or in light of your new relationship? Congratulations, by the way. Thanks. I'm gonna leave it up to you. Okay. I was gonna play the last couple of shows, by the way, I've been playing the single man role. Yep. While I haven't actually been single. Um, so I'm willing to do either or. Okay, okay. So I'm just going to put this one out here. Okay. Uh, you can apply to your new relationship or not. Are you, guys, are you guys, you're not living together. No. You're just happily dating. Yeah. You're exclusive. Yep. Do you, these days, do you have an exclusivity talk? Did you sit down and say, hey, I'm not going to see anybody else. If opportunities present themselves, I will turn them down. Just letting you know. I mean, how does that go? The answer is you generally do. Okay. We have not. Okay. It's just assumed. Uh, we're in a unique situation where we both knew and it instantly. So you just, you never even had to say it. Never had to say it. Uh-oh. What if she is listening to this right now and thinking, oh, shoot. <laughs> Better cancel the side piece. Exactly. Better cancel all the side pieces. Uh, I'm okay with that. Okay. I'm glad that she got the reveal. Um, <laughs> I mean, the answer is yes, you have that conversation. I've had that conversation in other relationships that I've been in the last five years. Uh, I've always addressed it head on. With she and I, it was kind of like we're grown. I mean, we're 38 years old, you know, and uh, not messing around. And when you're spending all of your time with this person, you know they don't have time for anybody else. And on the few nights that you're not together, you're kind of texting and in communication throughout. So I don't know where they would squeeze anybody else in. Okay. Figuratively. Wow. Sweet. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So plow whichever direction it was on that question. Okay. Plow <laughs> whichever. But okay. So here's your, here's then, oh, okay. we're going to present a single guy question. Here. Okay. Plow okay. left or plow right. So you have, uh, you're on, let's pretend you're back on to, uh, what was it called? Hinge. Again? Hinge. You're back on hinge. Ooh. Here's an attractive woman. Hits, ticks all the boxes. Beautiful, witty. Exchange your text messages. Da 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 da. 
go out for a date, fantastic, funny, you're just like, it's everything, whatever your real ideal is, okay. right? Like you're engaged, funny, smart, she's, you know, motivated, whatever. Go back to her house, one thing leads to another, close scene. You wake up the next morning, you feel real nice and cool in the sheets, and you like get out of bed before she's still sleeping soundly. You're like, oh, that's nice. You, you kind of look down and see it's a, a bamboo sheet. And it's Laird Hamilton branded, Laird and Gabby branded. <laughs> they have a bamboo sheets, and you're like, hmm. Go into the living room. There's a big picture of Laird Hamilton there on the wall. You go into the cupboard to make yourself a cup of coffee. There's Laird Superfood Creamer. You realize then that she is a Laird Hamilton super fan. You look, start looking around frantically. You see the Laird Hamilton cookbook. You see Laird Hamilton's new, whatever, Catch Every Wave book on the coffee table. You see. Laird Hamilton DVD next to the television. You on like every product that Laird Hamilton makes. You see instruction manual how to make your own ice bath in the backyard. She's like full on Laird superfood fan. What do you do? She's not awake yet. Um, first of all, this makes perfect sense why she would be attracted to me because our likeness is so yep. uncanny. Yep. I'm a Laird doppelganger. My hulking physique. The heart wants what the heart wants. Of course, yeah. Uh, I plow left hard. Plow left. I'm out of there. I'm not even saying goodbye. You don't even I'm wake grabbing, up. I'm not even putting my pants on. <laughs> I'm going to collect my cell phone out of my pants pocket and just run. <laughs> it would be terrifying. I would I was run thinking, I was thinking the hills. I was really thinking about it, really gaming it out on my way up here. Because at the first stage, that 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 would be funny if you if you woke up. My initial thought was you wake up and go make yourself a cup of coffee, and there's Laird Superfood Creamer. That's it. But then I was thinking of all the Laird products, and you could really get a lot of Laird products. And I was thinking the person who is a Laird Superfan, no matter how wonderful they appear, I don't know how you can work that psychopath. I don't. This know is how... an indicator to me that she will end up slashing my tires if she knew my name and address, like. She will go nuts yep. on me. Yeah. This is an indicator. Like we were saying, what was a harbinger of a school shooter in our in our other podcast? If they own swords or yeah, they own owns, cats? Or own swords is what okay. it was. Yeah. I thought maybe they were super into cats. Um, yeah, if they own swords, they're going to be a school shooter. Yes. If she is obsessed with Laird Hamilton, I'm going to have my identity stolen and my tires slashed on my car, so I have to plow left into this. Let's back up real quick. What if you wake up? Sheets feel nice. You look down. Kelly Slater Pottery Barn sheets. Kelly Kelly Slater did Kelly Slater Teen Pottery Barn. I remember you look, that. You, you look around the room. She has the entire Kelly Slater Pottery Barn collection. The lampshade, the throw pillow, the throw rug, yeah. curtains, the entire Kelly Slater Pottery Barn collection. Same scenario, you walk into the living room, there's chia seeds, on, you realize she's a Kelly superfan. Are you, are you okay with that? Uh, Again, she, um, was, she was so engaging the night before. Yeah. Very funny. I'm a little less warm. offended, but I'm still out. You're still out. Still do you, out. Do you, do you still, are you still out before waking her up? Um, or do you, do you wake, up, wake her up and say, okay, goodbye? Uh, I run for the hills. Again. Yeah. Kelly Slater, run for the hills. I'm going to... Hop on her KS Flex decks. Remember those? Yeah, totally. And, she has and, all the products. And book it. <laughs> her her um, 
relic flex decks that she got back in 1999. Flex decks is pretty sweet. And I'm going to book it down the street. Out. Yep. Is there any professional surf? I mean, I guess there's not that many who have complete lines of home goods like Laird and Kelly. But it would. Gay Medina. I mean, is there any. Could she be no. a super fan of anyone, no. any professional surfer? Super fandom is already fraught with peril, dude. Okay. Super fandom is the problem with this scenario. So you're plowing left on any super fan. What if but, she was a super fan of like Garth Brooks or something? Just like. <laughs> also out. Dude. Really? <laughs> yeah. But just like had a signed guitar. was just like, hey, you know, it's not weird. I know it looks weird. I just really, go, if really like If she's just Garth a Brooks. general fan, I'm okay. But we're talking super fan. We're talking super fan. Or I mean, she like has her hair cut like Faith Hill. Not because. Not that far. What if she just she goes and sees Garth a couple times a year? Garth Brooks or Tim McGraw? Garth Garth Brooks. Okay, he plays in Vegas. Okay, you know has some memorabilia. Um, I'm okay with the general fandom. You call that general fandom? Sure. What? Where's the line between super and general? Um, sending DMs through Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah. If she's trying to hit up Garth through DMs, I'm out. Okay. Um, the difference though with the Slater scenario versus the Laird scenario is I'm going to swipe some of Slater's product. Like I'm going to grab a Perps energy drink okay. and a Chia pod before I hit the, and like an outer known flannel. And but, then I'm going to hit the road. But you're nothing. You're, you're not taking one bag of Laird super food, food well, creamer. Well, dude, that's like playing with a Ouija board in your house. Yeah. You're only inviting the demons in. It's true. If you have a Laird bag in your, that is just a gateway drug. I know. A girl who to like was claiming I got this new creamer. I don't know why it came up in conversation. She was just talking about, I guess we we're talking about coffee, and she was describing a creamer, and I had to stop her midway and say, "Are you talking about Laird Hamilton's superfood?" And she said, "Yes." How did you know? It's like you mad fool. You're... Was she hyping it? Was she in love with it? Loved it. Really? She loved it. But I've wow. heard from our dear Gen C, Beechcrit's own Gen C, who taste tested it and i think it's on beach Grit somewhere i'll find it but if i recall it got a very bad review from gen c from gen c um i mean i don't use creamer period i don't so. either i'm a man doesn't serve any purpose in my life when you the greatest thing is that he's surfing goofy foot on that on his own product he flipped his own image they flipped his own image i mean that proves that is the jumping of the shark defined like you have so little insight. You're just signing your... Yeah. Speaking of licensing earlier in the show, you just sign your brand and your identity away to somebody who doesn't even know the difference between goofy foot or regular foot. I, I have a... Is a reg flip goofy? I think. On the cover of Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell, uh, is a flip. Who's Who is the actual image of? It is Brian Connolly. Really? Yeah. I could see that now that you say it. Flipped. At, I, at uh, Chopu. Yeah. I remember the image. Exactly. Did it on purpose, though. Did he had it duct did, tape on his foot, right? Exactly. Did it Did it not pipe and not, uh, and flipped it just to just to keep it mysterious. So that you don't years. have to pay all the fees? The no, no, because they, they licensed the, the HarperCollins oh, licensed the photo. Yeah. Okay. They, so they have, they had to license the photo and get, you know, I don't know how those photos are licensed, but yeah, they paid the licensing fee, got the photo. And then flipped and did a little bit of, I insisted on a little bit of um, airbrushing on the board just to cover up uh, sponsors. Yeah. So I remember that image. Obviously, uh, he was riding a yellow board, yep. wearing a spring suit with duct, duct tape, tape on his foot in yep. this gaping chopu barrel. 
By the way, I would love to know what Brian Conley's up to now. Yeah. That guy freaking... He's probably done it. I mean, he owned property in Mexico. He he really... I think he did did well by himself. I think he took his surf earning years, went and bought a wonderful spread in Mexico. I think he's married to a Mexican wife. I think has kids. I think he's just like living, living the dream down there somewhere. He... He kind of um, rode the wave of, you know, surf industry uh, boom. He was on Oakley and then just put himself in the craziest pits from Puerto Escondido to Chopu and went on like an all vegan diet or something even wilder than that. Just yeah. like it was and it got like so skinny. Vegan, yeah. So he's just like this skinny, frail looking dude standing in like these 15 foot caverns, 15 foot tall, 15 foot wide. He had just a run. Brian Connolly. I mean, he was for, so gnarly for a minute there. He was th- like the heaviest charger on earth. It was super impressive. Yeah. And then just kind of disappeared into obscurity. I, mean, I think he, I think he did it right. I think he didn't try to double down. I think he, people like that who, I don't know that they, he saw the end coming necessarily, no. but who take the money and like put it somewhere wise and then just go, I'm sure he can live off his, what he made from Oakley and that and in Mexico, no problem. Well, he, um, had his priority straight. His yeah. only priority was like, I'm just going to get barreled in the craziest waves and not worry about anything else. And so the money that he earned, he just put towards that. Yeah. I'll just buy land so I can be in front of this giant barrel whenever it's on, I'm on it. Yep. You know, that's it. So good for him. Shout out to Brian Conley. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Manscaped for our love hurts segment, which took me down a really emotional path. Yeah. I really rode the highs of like telling you about my relationship to the lows of being chased out of a woman's apartment. Well, you should be you should be um, happy that you're in a relationship that you don't that and that she's not a Laird superfan. She is definitely not a Laird superfan. Does she fan. does she have a favorite professional surfer? Nope. Does she know any professional surfers? Nope. Not even Kelly Slater. I'm sure she's heard of him. That's it. Yeah, the max is that she's heard of him. I mean, she doesn't care at all about uh, other than insofar as I care about it. Okay. So like, she's learning a little bit. Does she does she pick your brain i mean is she like okay i can clearly tell you're passionate about this who do who do you like here and well what do you what parts about this do you like she caught me either talking to somebody or saying something at some point so then when the pipe masters was on and we were she was checking in later in the day she's like oh what'd you do today and i'm like oh pipe masters was on so it was really exciting blah 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 she goes how'd john john florence do Ooh. so i was like how do you know john john florence's Sweet. name she's learning it was because the day before she must have heard me talking about john john making his comeback from injury do you want her to learn stuff so you can talk about surf with her or mm-hmm. are you gonna say please please no. forget that you ever heard the name john john florence i don't want her to learn anything at all because I don't want to talk about surf at all. Yeah. I mean, we, I talk about surfing so much, let's say from nine to five that checking out at, at five o'clock, let's discuss something else. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, manscape.com promo code surfing 20% off. And we joke about plow left plow, right? Because the plow 2.0 is the straight razor that, uh, is the closest cutting product on the market. So Man, check that out. And let's close out with Barrel or Nah, Chaz. Let's do it. Let's do it. Barrel or Nah, New Year's resolutions. Nah. Really? Full nah. Yeah. Why? You um, want to be a better you? No. Like, I think I'm all about changing bad habits or or that, but I think tying it to New Year's is just... I mean, I get it. I get if you need a kick over the line, but the fact that they never, ever, ever work... That's the problem is so if it's never ever ever working and you've tried to attach it to this new year's day thing then maybe try attaching it to another day right why not april 1st 
your April Fool's Day resolution. You're, you know, it, it clearly hasn't worked. Yeah. And so, you know, it's what, what do they say? The definition of, definition of insanity is trying the same thing, expecting different results. Yeah. Abandon. You're right. So the percentage of New Year's resolutions that actually end up following through is got to be in the... Oh, low teens, I would imagine. Less than, yeah. you know. So if you want to make sure that whatever you want never comes to fruition, make it a New Year's resolution. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Okay. No barrel. Nah on New Year's resolutions. Uh, barrel or nah, calling someone a rock star. Oh, straight this, from your, uh, this <laughs> your is, article on Beach Grid. This is one of my, speaking of sending thoughts and prayers, one of my pet peeves. I loathe it when people in other things are called rock stars. Rock star is a rock star, right? It's a rock and roll star. I guess I will extend the definition to music, right? So you Fair can enough. be a rock star country guy or a, you know, a rapper can be a rock star, right? Fine enough. But the rock star investment banker, the rock star, uh, anything else, I ha- I've always hated it. I don't know why I hate it so bad, but a real, real pet peeve, I guess. So somebody shows up at a dinner at a dinner party with the best cupcakes you've ever had, yeah. and somebody at the dinner party goes, "Oh, these are so good! You're such a rock star for baking these." So it makes me so mad. Leave the party instantly. Do yeah. you smash a cupcake in their face? I flip the table over and yeah, yeah walk out and just. Yeah. A, blaze of broken glass shards yeah calling people rock stars you're such a rock star like because people use it to mean you did something good yeah like or you are good at something uh rock stars i mean i guess they're good at playing music but generally they're bad right and so they're they're bad humans yeah they're bad husbands yeah they're bad drug addicts addicts. all of it bad parents if that's what people meant like such a rock star investment banker and he comes in just with cocaine still dribbling out his nose and like then i then i would support the analogy yeah the rock star analogy if it meant this guy wow i don't know if you want to put your investment portfolio with bob He's a stinking rock star. Where you see Bob come in just like hammered at 2 p.m. Then, yeah. That, I, I'm going to start. If maybe, Bob has track marks and there's a broken TV from the conference room at the investment firm. Call Bob a rock star. Yes. This is, so, so maybe we. The secretary's hair is tousled and she's pulling up her. Maybe, maybe we can have enough force out of this show where we can change what rock star means it, moving forward. I like if, if we really put our shoulders into this and you know, oh, Bruce Irons is such a rock star. Did you there see, you go. Did you see Bruce on the latest snow contest? Such a rock star. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Start using it appropriately and let's see if we can't affect mass change here. With I, usage of for rock the star. better. Yeah. For, for the better. Just make more sense for everybody. For sure. I'm so in. Okay. Okay. So, is that a barrel or not? Is I'm going to say I'm going to say it is a not using Rockstar to mean good or talented, it or popular. It is barrel to mean derelict, on possibly going to die soon, uh, but also talented, right? Because I, I think you have to be to be a rock star. Clearly, it can't just be a like the bum in the gutter ain't a rock star I mean, unless he's rock star bum. Like the, he's the best bum ever. You have to be good at the thing. You have to be both good at it and like have real fundamental personal problems. Yeah, like to be a rock star. Uh, let's so let's give it a nod now and yeah. we'll revisit this if we've affected change in a year from now. We'll revisit it and see. I feel good about okay. that. Okay, I like it. Uh, barrel or not, CBD oil. 
you can't get to be a bigger gnaw for me. Really? Uh, I mean, I think I have a lot of big gnaws here, but I, I mean, in general, I think you pick good ones because I'm fairly opinionated on most of them. But CBD oil is just a, it's a flat out lie, obviously, which is dumb. And then like I get, I guess if I was a CBD oil company, I'd be milking it too, but it's honest to goodness, no different than power balance bracelets. Really? Yeah. It, it is, it is absolutely does nothing. TA, or CBD doesn't uh, usually go through the skin or, or I think it has to be a real specific formulation. And in order to actually work, as far as I understand, listeners will tell me I'm wrong, but I know I'm not wrong. It has to be uh, THC is the um, is the way Catalyst. it actually is, is the way it actually gets into your bloodstream. That's the way it actually works. So to take out the psychoactive element, the THC part, and I don't think you have to have a lot of THC to have the CBD work. So I guess a CBD oil like a twenty to one, whatever twenty CBD to one THC, maybe that works or there's value there. So I'm not going to say I'll step back a little bit. CBD only oil, CBD oil without THC is a full is a complete lie. Entourage, uh, that's what it's called. The entourage effect. You oh, need okay. THC as the entourage for CBD to work. Man, okay, that's a bummer for me. I wanted CBD to be the cure-all. It can be. I mean, it can't be a cure-all, but it can work. I think in a, you just have to have some THC in it, which is good good news for you. Yeah, start, exactly. You can start smoking some joints again. Or you could have the oil with the THC in it. You exactly, You have exactly. to ingest it through smoking. Right? Exactly. All right, cool. I want it to work. I haven't researched it at all. But I do believe, again, though, still, uh, I don't know how well it, it transfers through skin, to be honest. Right. So that's something to look at. So for my arthritic hand. I don't know, but it might. I'm, uh, But I think that it I doesn't. I think the science is still out. I think the science is still out on what it does. I think people generally know, though, it is. I heard even a cranky anti-weed doctor and NPR something say it is in fact an anti-inflammatory oh it is yeah CBD does act as an anti-inflammatory it's just how much do you need for it to really work how you know etc etc I think the jury's still out on that but no I think I think CBD oil it's not a cure-all but I think there is there is value as long as it's attached to the beautiful THC are you a are you a fan of marijuana David Lee Scales do you consume cannabis not so much no when you consume do you smoke it do you eat it do you drink it i'm anti-smoking period i don't enjoy smoking like i just feel uh like it's po- uh yeah poisonous or you never you never after a podcast you never think oh man go get a cigarette right now no really no yeah you've never been there a smoker a, though yeah never yeah. there was a moment in florida this past trip where it was late after the screenings. It was like midnight. I was so didn't want to drink anymore. I had been saturated in alcohol. And you and a couple of other people pulled out cigarettes and started smoking cigarettes. And I was like, oh, I kind of get it now. Socially, I kind of get this is the moment in the night where it's just this is the right thing to do. But I still didn't smoke cigarettes. Socially, that's where it has, I feel, that's where it has real value. Yeah. I mean, it's like I don't smoke ever. Yeah. Uh, but there, yeah. Like it made it, perfect sense. Yeah. It was like this very small window in at midnight where this makes sense. And I already feel bad. completely bad and yep. gross. And I just want more grossness. Add on a, a fast food hamburger onto this too. Precisely. Yeah. It's real funny how when you're in that downward spiral of feeling gross, uh, where somehow it makes perfect sense to just tack on another gross thing. Yeah. Like, 
I've had way too much to drink. Now I'm going to smoke a cigarette and now I'm going to eat bad fast food. You know what it is? Strangely, I feel like you're, it's a reward system where it's like, uh, I've, the fast food is a reward or the cigarette is a reward and I'm feeling so low right now and so crappy. I want to reward, I want to give myself this, um, treat. Is, but the treat is only hurting you yeah. and making you feel worse. And so then you need another treat. Yep. And then you wake up in the morning feeling hungover and terrible. So you're like, you know what would be good right now? A breakfast burrito. Yep. So you do it again. Yeah. All And then a Bloody Mary it's to even out. It's completely contradictory. Next thing you know, you're smoking darts in the parking lot. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Living a rock star life. Yep. Being a rock star. Well, uh, this has been a really um, interesting episode of The Grit. Less, the, less surf. We had a science segment. We did. We had a movie review segment. We had therapy session. A lot. We had thoughts and prayers. We had like an emotionally cathartic, crazy portion. Crazy. Yeah, I would argue 2020 is our greatest. This indicates our greatest year of podcasting ever. I think so too. We're I mean, off to a phenomenal start. I think people are really going to love this. I think this is going to go outside of the surf world into both self care and science on the brink of 2021 when they do a best of list i would like for them to include this podcast as the best of i think podcast so. series 2020 how did nobody do a best i mean i guess the, that'll be 2020 when 2030 hits there will guarantee be a best do you think podcasts will still be around at 2030 i have no clue if they are you'll be viewing them through your vr set oh you'll be right here while you're banging your avatar simultaneously listening to your podcast so, and rock climbing so right here on the couch at album the prettiest little surf shop in the world will be all our listeners we won't even be here we you'll be at home i'll be at home but we will then be all be here together in album together okay how virtually. many how many people can fit in virtually endless oh so we'll create a stadium album stadium oh, we will really be rock stars then we really will <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks to Album, thanks to Manscaped.com, promo code surfing, and BeachGrit.com is where you can find everything that Chaz and I discussed. An exciting day today, an exciting decade. Until January 10th, Chaz. Get barrel.